We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Doctor Who episode, Arachnids in the UK, written by Chris Chibnall, directed by Sally Aparamian. And if I pronounce that right, it will be a miracle. (coughs) Should I ask before we go into the synopsis, uh, did you like it? Um, Apart from your spider phobia. Well, there's that. Um... I, I, not so much. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, synopsis time. Maybe, I, maybe this time you'll like it after I synopsis. I really doubt it. Down, down it. Okay. The doctor returns Yaz, Ryan, and Graham back home, arriving only 30 minutes after they left. But as the accidental traveling companions face returning to their normal lives, a mystery concerning spiders surfaces. Yaz's father thinks there's a garbage conspiracy. Yaz's neighbor has been killed by a giant spider, and Yaz's mother has just been fired from a primo resort hotel because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. All roads lead back to the hotel where they discover a nest of giant spiders. Can the doctor save the day and say farewell to her friends? Okay! Uh, Arachnids in the UK? I have to say I kind of enjoyed the episode. Wow, that's a shock. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, I have some issues with it, but as <clears throat> as with anything, even even things that I overwhelmingly like, but uh, you know, I mean, the the guy playing Alec Baldwin or whoever he was playing, um, uh, Jack Robertson, the character that he's uh, playing. Uh, something Noth is his is his real name. Yeah, I I, I thought it was weird that they Jack managed Noth, to hire- I think. They yeah, hired so. an actor who reminds me of Alex Baldwin, who, of course, is the guy that spoofs Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live. It is Alec Baldwin, right? It's one of the Baldwins. Baldwin spoofs Trump, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and every time I looked at the guy, so that's who I just kept thinking of. Not Trump, Baldwin. <laughs> just mm. all the time. Um, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but... Um, uh, so what, So you you uh, didn't didn't care for it. What was, what was it that... Uh, that was not uh, to your it liking. It was, it was just incomplete, just just incomplete. I felt this, uh, the whole spider thing was very uh, underdealt with. Mm-hmm. As was. The Do you mean at the story. end? It it just it was just kind of there, and then it just kind of stopped. And the same thing with um, with Jack Robertson or whatever his name is, who's going to be president one day. I mean, in the past, whenever you've had somebody like that come into play. Usually, they ha- their storyline wraps up pretty quickly, and this is the second time we've had somebody come into the show who is just kind of hand-waved off, and that's it. We don't see them again. Second or third? Uh, the second that I can remember. Who, who are you counting, Space Nazi or Tim Shaw? Uh, I'm not counting Tim Shaw, I'm counting okay. Spa- but I'm counting Space Nazi. Okay. All right. Yeah, he just, he did kind of, he didn't get his comeuppance at the end, although it's hard to imagine that he doesn't get his comeuppance uh, at the end um, because of there is there's no way that he can get away with that waste dump underneath there true and I, I just it it's 
It stretches credibility, but frankly, the whole premise, and I don't mean the spiders, I'm talking about the waste dump, the whole premise stretches credibility. Nobody could have an organization that big, KLR or JKL or whatever the the waste disposal unit business was, and Mm -hmm. no one would have a clue where they were taking the trash. Yeah, really. I mean, they're picking up for all these labs and universities and stuff, and they're taking trash somewhere. Surely, surely, they have to account for that in some way, shape, or form. Going to a landfill, we're taking it overseas, we're doing something. Somebody has to think that there's a paper chain, a paper trail on that that garbage. Instead of hauling it up to a, a luxury resort, which presumably they're, what, doing in big trucks that no one's going to notice driving around? I, I, yes, that whole, that whole nonsense was just, was a bit of a problem for me. And we might as well go straight to it. I, when it came to the spiders, can you tell me exactly how trapping them in a panic room and letting them cannibalize one another and finally die of starvation is humane and with dignity I know. way to die? That- that bothered me too. I could not. I could not uh, equate um, humanity with the tactic that the doctor had. In fact, strange as this may sound, when um, Robertson, right, I guess, shot I, it. I think, yeah, when he shot it, and he said, that was and, "Nice." You know, granted, he he was being sarcastic and and kind of a, a a real jerk when he said mercy killing. But oddly enough, I think he was right. He was right. He was absolutely right. The doctor was letting that creature suffer. It was suffering. (laughs) It was suffering because it was essentially suffocating. So, uh, again, I don't know what the heck it is with the morality of this doctor, but it's weird. Yeah, it's a bit off. It's weird. I thought, and this one really stood out. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, And do we really think all the spiders went in? No. I mean, there were spiders that were miles that had to be driven to pick up. You know, Yaz had to drive from her home to pick up the her mom, mm-hmm. and presumably that took a while. So it's not like mom could have just walked home. Therefore, there's the spider that was trapped in that apartment next door. Right? Did that one make it back? Did did the spider that molted in Graham's attic, who by the way had no connection whatsoever to the garbage? Right? I mean, we, we argued that the woman that got killed had some pheromones on her, and that's what attracted mm-hmm. the spider to him. But w- what got the one in Graham's house? Exactly. And where did that spider go? And if that those spiders are the babies for the Volkswagen-sized spider, then those spiders are going to grow up into Volkswagen-sized mm-hmm. spiders. Yes. So that part of this episode, I absolutely just like came to the end and thought, you know, they're, they're, they're more concerned about the doctor's companions going along on the trip than they are about resolving the problem. And, and, they ga- and they, again, gave that hand wave. No, they didn't get a hand wave. If they'd ignored the spiders completely, it would have been better than having the spider experts say that they deserved uh, to die with a natural death or something, whatever it was, the phrase that she used, which, to me made no sense because they're just going to lock them in a room and apparently leave them there or they're going to tell somebody about it and they're going to open that door up and they're going to kill them all because because they're not going to let them get back out right so yes that those that aspect of it i i could see how i could see you could make the argument this is the story was was not well turned out with regards to the spiders i mean there was there was some really good uh 
uh, scream, screamish, you know, moments. I mean, because granted, as as anybody well directed. Me for, well, yeah, but as anybody who knows me for a long time, uh, will also know that I'm a bonafide arachnophobe, and uh, I will admit that looking at these spiders was downright uncomfortable. It was chilling. Uh, some of the scenes played out really well, but there was never any kind of conclusion to those elements in this episode except oh we're just gonna let them die it's like what you know whatever happened to the doctor being immensely clever uh so it it just felt like worse than a hand wave also i'm just curious and i really don't know and i doubt anybody knows because it makes no sense but would a bullet kill a spider of that size because certainly and and this is it doesn't have a nervous system like ours correct I mean, it's not necessarily your nervous system that's what's going to kill you. It, you know, it's organ failure in most cases. But Kevin put several bullets in that spider, and it didn't phase it, mm-hmm. we think. True. True. Well, we heard the gun go off. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he could have completely missed while it was holding him, but um, at point-blank range. But, you know, one shot takes it out at the end. But, you know, they aren't the same as we are internally and and oddly enough i've spent a fair amount of time today looking at internal diagrams of spiders um just to try to figure out whether they breathe or not they i think they do Ah. but not like do they (laughs) yes they do but not uh, the way we do not the way we do no i know that i at least i gather that i mean it's like through their legs or something it's or all over their their body or something like that i mean i mean they got like pores or whatnot and that's how they take in air well, okay, so what I, I'm curious as to what they were thinking when they wrote this. Um, because my first reaction was, oh, great, they got their, everybody on the BBC gets their science from walking with beasts, or walking with monsters in this case. Um, the, the, the prevailing uh, hypothesis is that during the Carboniferous period, which we call the Carboniferous period because there's just an absolute ton of coal and carbon in it from all of the plant matter that existed at that time and oxygen levels were incredibly high compared to they are today Mm -hmm. and insects take in air without a respiratory system right and so you you can't you know there's just physics with the size of an air molecule and the amount of air available associated with how far into your body you can take the air um and survive and with more air they can grow to be larger and there were giant arachnids they weren't actually spiders they were precursors to spiders that looked like spiders the distinction is lost upon me but there you go um but modern spiders most of them do have little lung like things book lungs they call them or or and they also have tracheal they have multiple systems and they do take it in they don't breathe it through like their mouth or their butt, they they do take it in through their um, skin, and mm-hmm. they they do the exchange through body movement. So they don't breathe per se. So hearing that spider kind of rasping for breath, not not right. No, because right. that would that that's like it would have lungs and it doesn't. It's their movement. It's their movement that'll forces the exchange, and they don't need much oxygen, which is why spiders can remain utterly motionless. For long mm-hmm. periods of time. Um, but, you know, the, the reason that taking it in through your skin doesn't work for an insect bigger has to do with the square cube law. The, the, the bigger you get, the less surface area you have to your volume. Mm-hmm. 
but if it's if it actually has things like lungs, then I'm not sure that would apply because they would scale as well. The book lungs, the, the leaves of. So I don't know. I really don't know. But I, I, it, it's it's honestly it's not as stupid as the spider-like things in Kill the Moon, right? Which are okay. supposed to be single-cell organisms that look like spiders. I mean, it's not that bad. But at the same time, they even have a scientific advisor listed in their credits. So I hope they check this. But I'd like to... I'm doubtful. I couldn't find anything that would, you know, if you scaled a spider up to the size of a Volkswagen, would it be able to breathe? I, I, I couldn't find that. And I looked, genuinely looked. I also was kind of curious as to, you know, what the anatomy would look like. That if you shot a spider, I mean, it's not really going to bleed out per se, it's got something like blood, but... It, yeah, it has fluids. Ew. So, yeah, all that was um, just the nerd in me going, hmm, I need to know uh, about this stuff. But I don't, so I'm glad you did the research. <laughs> um, so let's talk, uh, then, ignoring the illogic of the spider story, although I've probably got some stuff on it. Um, I, I've, I have now seen something in this doctor that is completely different from all the other doctors okay she was lonely she was not wanting to say goodbye she wanted to hang around to have tea right this is this is a far cry from i don't do goodbyes yeah that's true um i mean you genuinely felt sorry from the for the doctor when when she was kind of like well i've dropped you off and i'm gonna go knocking about the tardis now you know Universe. You know, not the excitement. I want to go out and see the universe. There was the, I guess I better get on my way, kind of, kind of thing. So that's very different. True. That that is that is very different. Um, and I also noticed that uh, there is an implication. Um, I don't know if what we're supposed to think about this, but there is some sort of there was an implication done on the doctor's part that this is not the first time she's a woman. I went back and listened to that again, and she said, I've had sisters. I, I was that. a sister. And That's then she I, went on to explain yeah. that it was like a nun. Right. Um, now, I did kind of think, well, maybe this is just the doctor as a male being a female nun, but somehow I was having a really hard time wrapping my head around that one. It it seems to me, this this one has always seemed to me to be and and. We've had it happen with Capaldi in, in the Moffat era as well. <clears throat> that despite the fact that both Chibnall and um, Moffat are real continuity wonks, I mean, they, they know they're... I mean, Moffat went to the trouble to find a way around the 12 regeneration limit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. This is not something that he's just going to disregard and then suddenly go, oh, yeah, well, I had 37 other incarnations, one of which was a woman. And they did say that once. In one of those, in one of those, I did this, I did that, I did the other. Only one of these is a lie, mm-hmm. kind of thing. They they've they've kept, a, I think, a couple of times implying that, which I think was meant to goad the audience. This felt like that without the without the out. It, I didn't it sounded, like it. I have trouble believing Chibnall would do that. I really do. You know, I mean, he has demonstrated in his episodes at least a solid understanding of the canon if you will of of doctor who unless he's trying to pull a gaiman um, by dropping in a line there and rtd tried to do the same thing 
by trying to drop a line in and thereby completely altering the entire canon of the show. Art Russell, he, he admitted that um, in an episode of The Adventures of Sarah Jane. Well, the Sarah Jane Adventures, which are the Sarah, oh, well, the Adventures of Sarah Jane. 1400 regeneration or whatever it was. Unlimited. Unlimited regeneration. He, uh, the doctor could regenerate any number of times because our, because Russell admitted freely he hated the regeneration limit. He thought it was a stupid idea. So he it wanted is. to pull... Yeah, so he wanted to pull a fast one by dropping a line in there, thereby er- erasing everything that had come, you know, th- that had been established prior to that. You know, whether we like it or not is irrelevant at this point. He was still trying to do that. Now, Gaiman comes in much, le- you know, several years later, drops one line in in The Doctor's Wife about how the Corsair had one at one time been a woman. Yeah. And that changed, and that, that took root. Okay. All, all of this. And, I- now I'm, <clears throat> and now I'm wondering is Chibnall trying to do another one? Okay, but but both of those both of those things are forward facing changes. True, you know, n- none of it is is going back and saying, "Oh, by the way, William Hartnell wasn't the first incarnation of me." And yet, there is some implication in the brain of Morbius. Brain of Morbius. Hart- well, that was right. So before I, I, the twelve regeneration limit. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was because the 12 regeneration limit happened in the Deadly Assassin, if I remember right. Right, which is after Sarah Jane left, so therefore Brain of Morbius is beforehand, right? There'd never been any discussion of regeneration limits um, prior to that point, and there's not much we can do about that. You know, it's pretty clear from context that that's supposed to be the doctor. We also know that those are like the production crew, Uh, right? (laughs) Um, but it. I just have this funny feeling that Chipnell was being a little overly cavalier. Okay, let me ask this question. Why? Why not? Well, I can think of I can think of good reasons why not, but Oh, I can think of I can't I that, can't that's think not, of that's not that's not a good justification for something. Is it well why did you kill that person? Well why not? Well, okay. <laughs> no, why uh, would you I, do this? Because I know of showrunners who have done that. Why kill this character? Why not? Just simply why not? It's been done in many times in shows. Why? Why do you kill that guy? Well, why not? Didn't like him. Why not? I mean, damn. Didn't like him's a reason. That's a good enough reason. Didn't like the character. Killed him off. Okay, fine. Yeah, but I have There's heard of stories where why? Why get rid of this one individual? Well, why not? Drama. Something mm. happened. You know. Maybe. Maybe. But, but the again, thing is, I I'm at this unless point they're planning now, to backcast. You know, the negative seventh Doctor for some future episode. I do it. <clears throat> I I don't know. All I know is that at this point, I'm having a really hard time trusting Chibnall. That line really stuck in my craw. And I just have this gut feeling in me that it, ta- it takes too much effort to try to rationalize that reason and make it fit within canon than to take a look at it simply at its simplest uh, uh, value and say, this is a guy who had no idea what the hell he was writing. Hmm. That's my take. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with it. I don't think he knew what he was doing. And the whole spiel about, oh, canon this, canon that, can- I know my history. And now I'm kind of like, um, what? Are, are, were you trying to sell me a bill of goods now? Because if you were really trying to do that, I don't think you would have dropped that line in there. Unless he is really thinking about, you know, I don't really like this past canon. You know, I, I don't like the idea that William Hartnell was the original. You know, I want to go back to the, the Brain of Morbius stuff and say there are earlier regenerations of the Doctor. I want to address that. So maybe he does have this future thought about addressing something that came before Hartnell and that all of this was rubbish. 
That would be the only reason to do it. It's the only reason I can think of. If we're going to give a legitimate reason, that'll be it. That there was something that came before Hartnell. A lot that came before Hartnell. Keep in mind, what did we hear in that very first episode of, of uh, Jodie Whittaker this year? No, uh, not first one, the second one. When they met uh, those trout creatures, whatever. There is mm. something about the doctor. She, uh, there's the something about child. the chimeless yeah. child. There is a history here that even the doctor doesn't know. Surprise! And yet we've seen the doctor as a child. <clears throat> and I have a feeling we're going to do away with it. Why not? It's Doctor Who. We can do that. I... <sighs> we've got to remember one thing. Doctor Who has never been really that tight with its continuity. No, it's... it and But... <sighs> It's not particularly tight with its continuity about the places that the Doctor has been and the people the Doctor has seen, or the events that the Doctor has witnessed or participated in. You know, there are there are types of continuity where, oh, you know something? I think I have a great story about Atlantis, uh, but we've already done two of those. Eh, what the heck? That's a, a bit different than than trying to under underwrite the first Doctor Unless you've got some reason for going back and visiting that time. And even then, I, I don't know. I don't know. I th- I, I'm I th- not convinced. I think the line was just, I think the line was just meant to be a little bit of a, of a, a twig in the nose to, to people, probably people who are still pissed off about a woman being the doctor. No, I don't think so. I'm um, I'm pretty pretty sure that he's going to pull a fast one and reinvent the Doctor's history. Well, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. I mean, he sticks he, around uh, long enough. I know. Well, that's true. You know, and I and I have a funny feeling we're going to get we're going to start to see clues to that when we get to the end of the year because that whole rubbish about the timeless child, man, there is th- that's wow, that is uh more than just an, an Easter egg. I'm I'm very ha- happy that that has not made an appearance since. Then. Oh, like yeah, it's not it's not the new bad wolf, right? That that part was ridiculous. Um, anyway, yeah, that 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 line aside, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with he was just being uh, intentionally a jerk because I did go back and listen to it a couple times, and when he says I was a sister, he definitely does not mean I was the sister to someone. He definitely means I was a sister in this order. Right. That's okay. what I got. There, there's no doubt about that. So I, I could see somebody thinking that would be wacky amusing that, that John Pertwee put on a wig. And, uh, oh, wait, he's done that. He, he dressed up as a, as a cleaning woman in the Green Death and uh, put on his little comedy act. So he could right. have done and, that you know, and, 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 and a sister. True. And I, maybe, I mean, it. I kind of think that's... I don't exactly subscribe to that. Uh, I mean, I think most people understand that the reason, per, you know, the reason they did that for that episode is because Pertwee used to do that kind of, you know, vaudeville, uh, panto kind of stuff, you know, before Doctor Who. So it, he was, it was just a callback to the stuff he used to do back then. Uh, to to kind of equate that with what we got going on here, mm, well, if Chibnall's trying to use that as a rationalization, then that is the most thin stretch i've seen yet okay well i i think all of our all of our explanations are without evidence or oh that's true <laughs> i mean there's, supporting there's, material so i, no, I don't know I if mean, i'd call the, that one any thinner than than i mean the i i i just keep thinking that when he pulled out timeless child in episode two that he was setting something up really ugly 
I don't disagree there. I think he's setting up something ugly there because every time they muck around with that, uh, every time they muck around with the doctor being more than what we've already come to know. Right. Right. Then, then that never turns out well, the hybrid, um, the, you know, <laughs> the war doctor. Yeah. All, all of those things. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, um, couple things. One, this problem has been going on for three months prior to the events of the woman who fell to earth. Right. That was interesting. Um, I guess, you know, it hadn't come to anybody's attention because I guess most of the spider situations in Sheffield had to do with just spiders, ordinary spiders, behaving oddly. Again, when I went back and the first time through, I thought this meant that those big spiders were roaming around the city doing stuff. But what she says is that it's, you know, spiders out at the wrong time of the year, spiders be spinning the wrong kinds of webs, spiders doing etc, etc, etc. So it was, it was ordinary spiders doing weird things. Then later projected saying it was these big spiders that was disturbing the little spiders, causing the little spiders to do um, weird stuff. So, uh, except for the one that was up in the attic at Graham's house, which apparently was there uh, the day they left. Were they dumb animals? Wow. I honestly couldn't say. You know, at, at one point, it seemed like the doctor was implying that these were intelligent spiders. But they didn't act like they were intelligent spiders. No, they acted... They they seem to act on instinct, predatory, uh, all the things we've come to un- mostly understand with spiders, the way they behave, just on a much larger scale. Right. And and all the stuff about, oh, they don't attack humans. It's like a spider that big. Well, look at a human maybe the same way that a spider looks at a looks, cricket. Yeah. Like, sure, why not? Food. <laughs> food. It moves. It's a food source. I eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was... But if the spiders... <clears throat> are not intelligent. I would still argue that the way they were dispatched was inhumane. But if as implied the spiders had some intelligence, it's even worse. It, I agree. Which it still calls into question the doctor's very odd sense of morality, or in this case, I would say Chibnall's because he's writing her. Oh, and so, the- I, 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 so is it like, is it chibnall's morality or does he have this sense of that the doctor's got a really you know off-center kind of morality that we just as humans can't relate to Hmm. evidence of intelligence the lights had been taken out in the neighbor's apartment Hmm. they walk in and all the lights aren't working like why are the lights not working that wouldn't make any sense the spider didn't turn the switch off so no obviously made it I don't know what to think about that either, but if they're, well, if they're implying that the spiders did that. Or that later on when everyone was inside the hotel, suddenly the spiders wove a cocoon around it so that they couldn't get out. I mean, the doctor did kind of say, well, they're turning us into a nest. And And that's the other thing, because the doctor surmises that it's all the toxic waste that is the cause behind all of this. Okay, well. Combined with the genetically altered spiders. All right, but it was all to handle, you know, all, all for the purpose of the web. It had nothing to do with their intelligence. At least that's right. the way I understood it. So how could all, yeah, I, we come to how could the spiders possibly have become intelligent as being implied in this episode? Yeah, I had a hard time with that one as well. I'm also going to go with this one. I don't, again, not a spider expert. 
and they had a scientific advisor, so I'd hope they did this. But, but the doctor has a line that says, every creature has the same instinct to return home. I don't actually think that's the way it works with spiders. I think when mama spider blows out thousands of baby spiders... There's no indication that they're rushing to get home. Well, they don't come rushing home. That doesn't make any sense. Spiders are no. predators. Predators are they go where the food is out. Yeah, there's yes. So there is no reason to believe that all of those spiders would hang around Big Mama Spider or come back to Big Mama Spider. There is every reason to believe that they spread out just as far as they could and would have been eating Sheffield like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. I agree. But uh, maybe they did, and no one noticed. <laughs> We only we only get to talk to and, and and then where is where is where is Yaz's father getting this garbage? Ah, I don't think I want to know. They use the phrase some of this garbage is leaking out. Yeah, it was pretty well, gross. What, is, what does that mean? Think about it. You got a coal mine. You f- you close off the coal mine. You fill it with garbage, and now some of it is leaking out. We're not talking about fluids. We're talking about plastics and stuff it just oozing out of the ground surely that wouldn't be a big mystery you find that and you find a big pile of garbage coming out of the ground you go think there's something buried here but Mm. it kind of sounds like he's just finding garbage around the place and collecting it and bringing it home i i i yeah uh okay and those are the main points um I have about the spiders, which, of course, was the um, the big thing um, in the episode. So the other part of it was we've gone back to Earth and we've met a companion's family. Mm-hmm. So now that's um, Rose's family. Right. Martha's family. Right. Donna's family. Right. Fortunately, Clara was mostly an orphan, except for those two kids that she was... Well, no, we met her family at Christmas once. Well, we also met... Um, ah, Amy's family. I guess at the wedding? Yeah. But they, Amy's family were mercifully really not... You know, they were there at the wedding, which makes perfect sense. And then... <clears throat> well, I guess it's Rory's dad, once they established their... Once they establish their, their, we're coming back and forth all the time. True. Uh, episode. But, you know, it, it was never particularly burdensome in the Moffat era like it was in the Davies era. Um, and, and that's truly the word for it. I found, I found Rose's family, mom, Mickey, to be a, a lead weight around the neck. And Martha's were even worse. Martha's mother was made Rose's mom look good. And that's well, she was so caught up in the whole spiel with the master. I, I get the feeling that she was probably a pretty shrewish person. Well, that's why she... Well, yes, I agree. And that's why it was so easy for the master to convert her more to his to his uh, philosophy, his belief. She did come around towards the end. But in the beginning, uh, yeah. I, Are we going to be stuck going back and seeing Yaz's family? I mean, obviously, Graham and... And Ryan, apart from absentee dad, that is the whole family. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're they're free and clear. But but Yaz, I, I don't know if I care enough about their family to want to ever see them again. And now, in any other situation, the fact that they were introduced would had would have suggested that there would be some future for them. Otherwise, they'd be you know, nothing more than a big red herring. But I seem to be 
seeing more red herrings than not these days. Okay, so she has family. Obviously, they drive her crazy. We come to the end of the episode, and they all ask to travel with the doctor. Mm -hmm. Do you think the doctor should have given them better warnings? Like, um, you know, my last companion was turned into a Cyberman. Had all her organs replaced with mechanical parts and her soul removed. Uh, Or that you've seen how badly the TARDIS behaves. The next time we come back here, it might be a year from now. And once that happens, you can never come in between, like they did with Rose, where she was missing for a year. Mm -hmm. So, sure, Ryan has a crummy job. He doesn't care. He's got no family except for Graham, if you will. He makes perfect sense. Get in the TARDIS, go. I mean, sure, why not? Graham, maybe he's still holding down a bus route. I'm not sure. Maybe he's a retired bus driver. But he's old enough, and he's got a good reason to get away from the memories of Nan in their house. Yeah. He leaves. Yes. Even if your family's driving you nuts, do you walk out the door to go get a loaf of bread and perhaps never come back? Yeah, she is kind of taking for granted the fact that, or the the idea that the doctor can return her to roughly the same time period uh, as she's leaving. Therefore, it's no issue. Um, the doc, she should have had better warning. I and agree. she's a police officer. Of all the people, she has a real job and a career there. So, yeah, I, I just, I kind of thought, I mean, I'd do it. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't walk out the door to go travel the universe and, and just walk away from my family. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, no, 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 no. I could not do that. Even if I were given the guarantee, oh, we'll return you. I'm like, you know, pull the other one. I'm sorry. That's just way too big a risk. Well, they've already seen that the doctor isn't in terribly good control of the TARDIS. So they've, they've experienced that firsthand. So, but, you know, there was, there was no, no warning of that particular hazard, which I think is probably the biggest one they have. If they come back three weeks later, Yaz ha- no longer has a job, right? Mm-hmm. If, they come back, if they come back a year later, Graham probably no longer has a house. Probably. You know, you didn't make the mortgage payments. It's gone. It's been repoed. So, yeah. I, I mean, but I think they were going to go. Yeah, but I think this is one of these things that is definitely given the hand wave uh, because it's all about the companion. And it sort of has been. I mean, I, I, not to the degree like when Russell brought the show back when he insisted that it really is all about the companion, not the doctor. Uh, still... Everything the doctor does is sort of defined by the companions that he has with him. So to have a companion suddenly just, you know, suddenly just come on board, you know, and chuck their life away, their personal life away is not anything new. Yeah. I think we went through a I think we went through a a phase once where we went kind of looked at all the companions to look at the situations that they were in. And most of them really didn't have anything to come back to per se. You know, the, the difference in that was That's Joe true. and Sarah Jane. But in the case of Joe, her job was actually to work with the doctor. Yeah. And Sarah Jane was a freelance reporter following a story. And the doctor was her story. And the doctor is a story. And then after that, you know, we fall back into the orphans, stowaways. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> until we get to, uh, yeah, until we get to Rose. Yep. I mean, we we don't. I don't remember much about Mel. 
That's because we were never told anything about Mel. I didn't think we were. She was just suddenly there. They introduced her as a as part of it, the, the doctor's future. A future companion. And all of a sudden, there she is. Okay, that's hardly... Yeah, that was, that was really slippery. You know, thank you, J&T. But, um, yeah, we really have nothing but orphans until we get to Rose. Yeah, and then we just all wished she was an orphan. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll get complaints about that. There are people who like Jackie. I am not one of them. You know, to be honest, I didn't mind Jackie. I like Jackie a hell of a lot better than Donna's mother. Oh, well, yeah. Donna's mother made Jackie look good, but that's, you know, in comparison. Um, all right. I don't know that I have anything else. I do have one important question for you. I got one thing. Just oh. one little thing, that one little observance that I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, hit me. And that was uh, Ryan, early on, when he offered to go with Graham back to the house. Yeah, I think and we're I clearly thought, seeing their bonding. Yeah, and I thought, okay, well, that was the first evidence of thawing of that icy relationship, at least on, I, on Ryan's part. I mean, he kind of falls back into it a little bit, but... That was the nicest we've seen him beat a Graham well, so far. Okay. okay, now there was one other thing. So he got the letter from his dad. Right. And first he didn't want to read it because obviously he has some issues with his dad. <clears throat> but what was it that offended him about the letter? Oh, that personal family, I think it was. Proper. Proper family, that's it. Yeah, proper we're family. proper family, implying that Graham is not his proper family. Right, right. And, and, and he kind of implied. Is, is that because he's white? Who knows? Or just married into the family. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, that might be it. The fact that he just married into it and became... I don't know if it was, if it was a race issue. I mean, it, it, it could very well be. Um, I don't want it to be because to me, that's... I, I am sick to death of race issues. And you know, I, I just don't... I don't care for it to be that. I would... To be honest, I would actually like it if it were something a little more bizarre. Like um, you married into... You know, you, you, you became a step-grandparent. You know, something, well, something I, as absurd as that. I, if I'm not, did we find out whether or not his dad was, no, his dad married, no, I think we found that his dad is married to his mom, obviously, and his mom is the daughter of his nan, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. Nan is the mother of his father. He says so. Because he's like, what, she, uh, he, when, when the father doesn't even show up, he says, Nan was his mom. Right. That may have been when I was going to the bathroom in that episode. <laughs> I haven't rewatched that one yet. So, I see. So remember, but no, but, I told you that there at the funeral, I finally, I finally just gave up when they were yakking too long and went to the bathroom. Yeah. No, so. uh, Nan is Ryan's paternal grandmother. Mm-hmm. So that might be why Ryan's father is taking a, uh, some kind of umbrage with that with Graham because Graham is now his stepfather. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to think it's not a race issue too, but we've already, we've already been shown that they have to deal with that modern sheffield i mean i guess i can i can still see it um you know if if that's still an issue then that's probably still an issue um anyway okay here's my question this is an important one oh god only you can only you can answer this question because you are an american citizen Uh 2020 jack robertson or donald trump who are you voting for mickey mouse I couldn't quite understand why they put in that electioning thing. Couldn't this guy have just been an obnoxious American industrialist? Well, it 
the funny thing was, is the moment we met him, I immediately drew parallels to Trump. I mean, he's got this big hotel and he's an, he's an, he's an outright a-hole. So I, I, I immediately jumped to that conclusion. Whether that was the intention or not is a completely different matter. I don't know what Chibnall was thinking at the time. But I will admit to being somewhat surprised when all of a sudden his name was spoken in the same breath as Trump's. And his, his response was even funnier. Don't mention that name to me. So in the last episode, Yaz said, <clears throat> I'd swear she said this. And now they've got a black president. You know, as I seem to remember that. Was, as if Obama was still the president of the United States. Mm. When, when we all know that, that a, a hideously bigoted racist monster is currently the president of the United States. And like I said, and, and I think you're right, because I thought of Baldwin, who obviously is a Trump impersonator now. And so it, it, there's no doubt that that was meant to be in some way evocative of Trump. Um, which is his third wife's name, right? Evocative? Evocative? Trump? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> where's Melania's third wife? I, I don't remember. Anyway. I don't know. Don't care. <laughs> uh, you should care when they're striking up the coronation medals. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't have anything else about... No, that pretty much covers it for me. Arachnids in the UK... Um, for our next regularly scheduled episode, it's going to be the Night Stalker episode into night. Yeah. And also, um, putting this out there now, by the time, by the time our people hear this, you'll probably already know this, but we are now releasing episodes a week earlier for our Patreon subscribers, Aha. including releasing the Doctor Who episodes one week after the episode the Doctor Who episode airs. So if you want to actually keep up with these, subscribe on Patreon and you'll get them a whole lot earlier. Anyway, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, what a joy. <laughs> and listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.